women's rights Welcome to episode four of season three of the Women's IP Annual Podcast, a podcast series that's shining a spotlight on women in intellectual property. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I'm the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitam IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. We are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of the U.K. in London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix Magazine. The 2023 edition of the Women's IP World Annual was just released and can be found digitally at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. And you can listen to the annual as well on your favorite podcast app. Keep an eye out also for hard copies of the magazine at worldwide conferences. I'd like to welcome Sarah Norcor Anku, founder of the law firm Anku Anku at Law in Ghana, Africa. And no, I did not stutter. Uh, the firm is Anku Anku. And so I want to start by asking uh, Sarah uh, to first tell us why is Anku listed twice in your firm name? <laughs> Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. So, Anku, I'm Sarah Noko. Anku, you've mentioned it. And my partner and my husband is Ken Anku. So that's how come you have Anku.Anku at law. Two Ankus in there. Yes. <laughs> so that's the secret. Wonderful. Yes. And wonderful. And so, um, so, so you and your husband founded the firm together then? Yes, actually, I founded it, and he was in his own practice then, but he decided to join me, and he into other aspects of the law, but I focus on IP, corporate commercial law. He does a lot more of criminal law and land law and all that, so we kind of complement each other. I see. Well, in many ways, even professionally. (laughs) So very interesting. So what year did you start the firm? On your own? On my own, I started it in 2011, um, by which time I was still in other practice, in public practice. So I decided to allow him to take up the reins and uh, work with it until I resigned from public service and I joined him in 2018. So prior to that, I worked with as a state attorney with the IP office itself. So that's the story. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been married, may I ask? Oh, that's a long time, like 23 years. <laughs> that's a long time. Since 2000, yeah. So this is our 23rd year, actually. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Uh, that's no small thing uh, to be to be married um, for that longevity and also working with 
that person with such longevity? Yes, it's easier because we have two separate practices. So he has his own practice using the corporate name. I also have my own practice using the corporate name. So there's no conflict. I see. No conflicts. No conflicts. No, no, no. no conflicts. Never. No, 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 never. <laughs> Um, so, so wonderful. Uh, that's very interesting. And then during COVID, were you both at home working? So during COVID, yes, both of us were at home and uh, both of us tried to work. Uh, it, for him, it was more of stagnation because then we couldn't go to court. There was, there was such a huge break in there. But for us... We were able to work uh, not full time, but remotely. And uh, anytime the IP office was open for a short period, we were able to put in our applications. So everything kind of stalled, but we were able to manage somehow. But basically, we were home. <laughs> basically, <laughs> right? Like, like most of us, yes. um, the difference is, is that you are working on a common goal not even if you're in different spaces you're both working exactly. for the common goal of success of your firm how big exactly. how i mean what's the size of your firm so it's it's a small firm relatively as compared to the bigger firms on the market uh we have uh about uh, nine lawyers and we have about about seven seven support staff so um, in total, we can say we are less than 20 in number, about mm -hmm. approximately 18, 19, 20. Are most of those people, are they in Ghana? Is everyone in Ghana? Yes, everyone is in Ghana, but we do work externally with others that I have not counted. Uh, mm -hmm. I have, we have a relationship with a colleague of mine, in um, Denmark, and we have a few others um, in other parts of Africa. We have one office actually in Nigeria, and we have one lawyer and one support staff in the Nigeria office. And we also um, have friends we work with who are not listed under our corporate name, in other jurisdictions, we have one person in Uganda as well. So basically, we try to form this small community of friends to facilitate our work because a couple of times we receive applications and a client would ask you to cover the whole of Africa. So if you are asked to cover the whole of Africa, it's always good to have that network of friends so that you get the work done efficiently and at a relatively uh, minimal cost to the clients. Yeah, I did notice that on your bio, it indicates that you are licensed, right? Also in Nigeria? Yes. No, not personally. Okay. My colleague, I'm a partner in Nigeria. Our firm is registered under one person's name, but we are partners operating that particular name. So yes, that's how we work. Okay. I yeah. got it. Okay. It's because you employ someone there and who's managing yeah. that office exactly. and, and work exactly. directly from there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally understand what you're talking about working with the essentially associates, right? You've exactly. got a, 
a client who's not familiar, you know, with, with the continent say, and they Mm -hmm. have a client who needs protection in various countries, it's Mm -hmm. to centralize it with your office. And then it's nice to be able to support your friends, businesses, their, their Mm -hmm. law firms as well, um, by, by having them do the work. Mm -hmm. And with that good relationship, I'm yes. sure it works out quite well for everyone involved. Exactly. So wonderful. For, for So for those who might be a bit geographically challenged, um, can you kind of help us understand where is Ghana on the African continent, please? So when you look at the Africa map on the West Africa coast, Ghana is along the coast. It is next to Togo and Cote d'Ivoire. And then we have Burkina Faso at the top, and we have the Gulf of Guinea, the sea, uh, at the south of Ghana. And uh, interestingly, we say we are the center of the world because you have the latitude and longitude zero crossing the waters of of, of the world, of, 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 of Ghana. So we are in the center of the world. So if you look at the map, look at where the longitude crosses the latitude, and that's where you will find Ghana along the West African coast. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. <laughs> I did not realize. So basically, longitude and latitude are at zero there, yes, right there. Yes, yes right oh, there. That's, in the okay. Ghana. Yes, exactly. That's very, that's very interesting. And so isn't it also, so from on the other side of the world, right, in Ecuador, right? Isn't that the other spot? Because there is a, um, or no, is that right or not? Because I have friends who were just uh, just at the Asipi conference, and they mm. had one foot on each side. Maybe it's not zero zero, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. It, and they have one foot on each side of the hemisphere. So it's very those kind of things. I think are very yeah. very interesting. Yes, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then, what's the weather like in Ghana if it's on the zero zero? It's 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 tropics. We are on the tropics, so it's almost almost always warm. We have two seasons. We have the wet season, that's a rainy season, and then we have the dry season, uh, when where we have the um the dry winds from the Sahara coming down, and uh, it's it's quite humid also. Uh, it's very during those times the weather is not that pleasant, but generally uh, weather is 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 cool. We have about. We range between uh, 24 to 33 uh, degrees Celsius. It really gets sometimes very hot, but otherwise it's relatively warm throughout the year. It's a pleasant weather. That sounds lovely. I mean, I'm in Chicago, as you know, and Mm -hmm. we also say we have two seasons, but they're very different. It's winter and construction. That's what we say here. (laughs) That's what we have. So, okay, I did also notice that you have a connection to Wyoming, USA. What is the connection there? I noticed that in your bio. Yes, so we have this company called Patent Assist LLC. Um, That company is basically used for our patent activities, uh, not in the prosecution, strictly speaking, but with the drafting and the searches. And uh, we use it for usually for our university and student clients, uh, university faculty clients and uh, university 
client. But when it comes to the prosecution aspect of the patent, then we use the ANCO.ANCO at law to prosecute our applications. So that is what we use the Patent Assist LLC for. Okay. I saw that and I was like, Wyoming, really? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful out there. Most people, though, when they've been to the U.S., it's not necessarily there. So, but it is it's a great place. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so we are going to be jumping into your article. You know, that's an, a main reason why we're here today um, is to discuss uh, your latest article uh, in the women's IP world. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into your article in a, in a few. Have you started your marketing campaign plans for 2023? Are you interested in highlighting your services to the global IP community? Have you ever thought about publishing thought leadership content to build confidence with your industry peers? Why not consider the Global IP Matrix magazine in your 2023 marketing expansion plans? Our print, digital and non-intrusive audio formatted magazine is published only three times per year to give you, our client, the best possible exposure at a minimum of eight global intellectual property conferences and event seminars per issue. We publish 3,000 copies per issue and have built solid relationships with the likes of Inter, Ecta, Marx and AIPPI, plus many more important IP event organizations internationally, to give our clients the best possible exposure in the correct physical IP social environments. We market our publications like no other industry magazine. We are the only IP magazine on the market that is published in a non-intrusive audio format, so you can listen whilst you work on your favorite mobile app. So, benefit from international exposure at IP events worldwide, continuous marketing of your services throughout the year, and working side by side with a passionate team that will work hard to shine the spotlight on your business and services like no other in the global IP community. The clients that are working with us now are the clients that have stuck with us since our launch back in 2018. Contact us today for an informal chat about your IP law firm or IP business, and let's discuss how we can work together. Call plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email info at gipmatrix.com www.gipmatrix.com The Global IP Matrix Magazine. Connecting you with the global IP community. Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for contributing uh, to the Women's IP World Annual. The article is entitled Intellectual Property Rights, Infringement and Alternative Dispute Resolution, ADR. And we're going to talk about the current trends in Ghana. And for the listeners, if we want to jump to the page of the article, it starts on page 72. Uh, I don't know if, um, Sarah, you've had an opportunity to look at the digital version. Have you seen that yet? Yes, yes. I, was, I, I received that from uh, Carlos, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, so it's so fun to me to, um, it took me a little while to figure out the Zoom. You mm-hmm. go, <laughs> page fit. Um, um, but I, I did figure it out. And then when you flip the pages, it makes this page turn noise. So I just, that, that's always, that's been kind of fun. 
just to kind yeah, of flip around. Like and they've exactly. always been like this, but I've never mentioned, I've never actually mentioned it on the podcast. I'm going to flip the page. So just listen. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, it is. Interesting technology. So, so I know it's like to adapt it. You take technology, but you still like adapt it to the, to the exactly. good old fashioned way, mm-hmm. right. Of, of mm-hmm. page turning um, yeah. with the noise. So, okay. So, let's let's jump into the article uh so you know it's the article is very interesting to me also knowing that you kind of started is with a litigation background um you know as with when you were a state's attorney um and then to see that you know there are alternative ways to resolve disputes yes you know and i feel like you have such a uh deep insight into that since you were working in the courts as a state's attorney and then to say, well, okay, well, you know, that's great. And there are cases that where maybe that's the better route, but there's also this other route, um, ADR, alternative dispute resolution. Uh, so I, I found that very interesting. Was that, I mean, am I on the right track? Is that something, cause do you still practice litigation in your private practice? Yes, I do practice litigation, in fact, a lot more. And uh, as a state attorney, I work with the Ghana IP office. So the litigation aspect was not that much. It was more of the prosecution bit of it and then a bit of uh, litigation. Sarah, I have a quick question on on that because you, I, I maybe just because it's different here. Can you explain how was it that you were doing prosecution as a state's no, attorney? patent prosecution. Patent first. Okay, our system is quite different from, from, from yours. So when I'm using, I'm using patent prosecution to mean patent prosecution, you know, from the beginning to the end. But when it comes to prosecution itself, as state attorneys, we have the prosecution department, we have the civil department back, you know, in the state attorneys, uh, in the attorney general's department. I work with the Ghana, um, with the registrar general's department. So with the Registrar General's Department, I was responsible for um, IP, industrial property rights, and it involved the registration and also um, some form of litigation because we are sued every now and then, and then we have to go and defend, and there are times that we have to take the initiative. And then um, we had other responsibilities. Um, That's my corporate side of it, company law. You have to represent the Registrar General in court and all that. So we get to do a bit of court and then the administrative bit of it in terms of uh, granting of rights and all that. So that's how my work was at the uh, Registrar General's Department as a state attorney. I certainly understand um, cases against the government. <laughs> We're no stranger to that um, here. But uh, I and, and in your article, actually, you cite to a very interesting case about essentially the government getting sued on copyright. And I don't want to give away too much, but it was very interesting to read and how it was resolved. So Mm -hmm. I hope our listeners do check that out. You describe Ghana as a low middle income country on one hand, but on the other hand, with a high desire for luxury goods. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it's like, "Hmm, okay. And I guess, so you so are people like spending beyond their means? Um, I mean, I understand that there's a rising middle class. Yes. Okay. So um, 
more more money to spend potentially there. But exactly. how like how does that develop like as a as a culture to describe it that way? Um, I can't fully say, but from of my observation, I think that there is a. a uh, uh, there's a, a demand kind of it's it's fashionable to have luxury goods it's just fashionable and uh, people feel good using these luxury goods luxury uh, branded goods and um, if you don't have the means very few can afford the actual price of these luxury brands so um, that is why there is a market for the used luxury goods and then also their copied luxury goods. So there are two types of these luxury goods apart from the goods themselves, the original goods themselves. So we have markets for these used ones which are way, way cheaper than the brands themselves, the branded goods themselves, and then the knockoffs, the copied ones also on the market. But one can easily tell the difference. You can tell the difference between a copied luxury good from that of the original because there would definitely be flaws in there somewhere. And then also the, as for the used goods, it's very difficult to tell whether somebody has actually purchased a new product or the person purchased a used one. And that, that you know, secondary market, you know, I mean, the goods are still authentic it's yeah, just yeah. like you know you know we have consignment and things like that when people mm-hmm. are maybe estate sales or things like that mm-hmm. where you can get um genuine luxury goods at a more of you know at a lower price okay exactly. so you know it's interesting though that you know essentially this desire to have luxury goods doesn't mean that it that the that that there are those that don't care if it's actually a genuine product. They just want to be carrying around the bag or wear the blouse exactly. or whatever. whatever. Maybe exactly. so that that desire has actually led to a demand in a way for counterfeit goods, a exactly. demand for it. Exactly. So, okay. So, so let's dive into, um, to ADR, um, hmm. alternative dispute resolution just so if people aren't as familiar with it, can you please describe ADR and, and its benefits? So for ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution, they are dispute resolutions that do not involve the courts per se. So um, as against litigation that is usually adversarial in nature, we have this alternative dispute resolution where the parties themselves get involved in the resolution of their dispute. Um, commonly in Ghana, we have the mediation and also the arbitration. With the mediation, the parties have control, full control over the dispute resolution and they have a mediator who's, who kind of uh, serves as, a, as an umpire in between the two parties or two or more parties who are disputing amongst themselves. And uh, the final decision is usually uh, takes into account the interest of each party. And so at the end of, a, of, of the dispute, you realize that the parties go back um, having met each other halfway and uh, not uh, being so adversarial towards each other. 
and the relationship remains. And it is very important in the IP area of practice because um, most of these uh, parties tend to have some business relationship. So they wouldn't want to end up uh, ruining that particular relationship because of one or two disputes that arise. So it serves their interest even better. And uh, oftentimes it's, uh, uh, it doesn't take that long. It's a shorter process. And in effect, the cost is also reduced to some extent. And as against the litigation. So usually litigation is a bit slow in, this, uh, in our part of the world. And uh, for Ghana, we have, uh, we have a commercial court that is supposed to expedite uh, such you know, dispute resolution. But then, um, again, it is a public. Uh, the courts are court documents and the court processes are public in nature and therefore if you put uh, certain exhibits certain information out there then it goes into uh, the public gets to find out everything that goes on and as business people you may want to keep some of these informations uh, uh, secret and fortunately for us we have a very strong uh, ADR act that supports such dispute resolution. And even our courts acts also promotes uh, alternative dispute resolution. Within the commercial court itself, there is a provision, a, a part of it that um, allows um, parties to settle. There's a pre-trial settlement period within which the court encourages parties to try to settle their disputes. We are talking about businesses and time means a lot to them. And uh, some of these informations they would want to keep among themselves and to keep their relationship. I've also realized that in recent times, um, you find the regulatory bodies in respect of certain industries trying to step in as mediators so that it, they try to settle the dispute between the disputing parties so it doesn't escalate into uh, full-blown litigation in the court. And I think it has been very helpful to some of these uh, this, these business people, these parties, these owners of the IPRs. So in effect, the ADR seem to have uh, to be more effective when it comes to IP disputes. You have control over the dispute resolution. You have you maintain your relationship with your whoever you are disputing, the other the other party, and of course it is less costly and less time uh, consuming. And private. Yes, and it's and private. private. I think privacy is a, is a big piece to this because in litigation, when you're filing documents, motions, replies, um, and all the things, uh, it's public for the yes, most part. Public. So I think privacy is also uh, a huge benefit of ADR. And, it, and in Ghana, it just, it's just, it's constitutionally based. I mean, that's not something you see a lot. I mean, it, look, it looked like it from your article. Is that correct? It's constitutionally based? So yes, uh, in Ghana, the ADR is enshrined in our law in the sense that uh, the constitution in our hierarchy of norms under the constitution, uh, we have customary law also there. And customary law includes ADR. ADR is custom, uh, uh, traditionally, disputes were resolved through alternative dispute resolution by leaders of uh, societies, uh, tribesmen, and all that. So it is rather from the foundation, even pre, pre-colonial times, we had ADR 
And when the constitution came into force, it was also captured as part of our existing law. So ADR is enshrined in our constitution. Yeah, I found that that pretty fascinating in reading your article, the origins of ADR in Ghana, uh, Mm -hmm. which seemed to me to be pretty unique, at least from what I know on the other side of the world. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, because, you know, when we're talking about business to business and wanting a privacy and, and, you know, budget, um, all, all those things, less time, that's all really important to corporations. But does that work for like the counterfeiters that, you know, are trying to get products into Ghana, you know, that, that other kind of counterfeiting where you don't exactly know who they are. That's part of the investigation with customs. You know, where are these coming from? From who? Exactly. So um, when it comes to um, counterfeit, it is a matter that is not uh, uh, resolvable through ADR in the sense that our ADR Act makes provisions for matters that cannot be um, resolved through ADR. And matters, uh, such criminal Counterfeit is a criminal matter in Ghana, and uh, under the ADR Act, certain such matters cannot be resolved through ADR, being a a criminal matter. Secondly, usually, as you rightly said, you wouldn't even know who they are. So it is up to the CID, Criminal Investigative Department of the Police uh, Service, to take it up and to do carry out their investigations to find out who is behind what. Fortunately, also, we have border measures in Ghana to stop these kind of counterfeit products from entering the, uh, the channels of trade. And that involves the courts, the courts granting orders, and these orders are served on the commissioner of the customs, and that the commissioner can then seize the goods before they enter uh, the country. They can seize the goods at the port before they enter the country. So basically, there's a lot more that goes into counterfeit, uh, fighting counterfeits in the country than using ADR to resolve disputes. The parties are not even there for you to even resolve. And there's nothing to resolve because these are knockoff products that cannot be, um, you cannot even license the person to bring in that product. When you use ADR, as I mentioned earlier on, you look at the interest of each party. So for instance, as a business to business, if another party is bringing in certain goods, wants to bring in goods that are your goods, your IP branded goods, then uh, you may want to have a license agreement with that other party, or you may want to settle in another form or way. But when it comes to counterfeit, there is nothing like you having license to license a counterfeit import of counterfeited goods into your country. So it doesn't, it would not really work when it comes to counterfeit. It's counterfeit is a criminal matter. And do you, in your firm, do you deal with that, that, that kind of counterfeiting? Yes. What we do for our clients is that we've received, we receive instructions to stop the goods from coming in the first place. So when that, when we receive such instructions, then we need to take steps in the courts to get the order order from court to stop, to halt the products at the other ports, and we serve that on the commissioner, and then that is done. Again, clients could approach you to say that the goods are already on the market. They want a rate to be carried out. So you, are, what we do is to um, represent the client at the police CID, uh, 
make the complaint on their behalf and then with the police together with the police you can have uh, the investigations to be done and then if there's a need for certain raids to be carried out it will be carried out if it is a copyright issue then the copyright administrator comes in she also has certain powers she has a role by law to be a mediator in disputes if she wants, if the parties want her to be a mediator to resolve their dispute. But when it comes to piracy, in the, which is also criminal, then in that case, the, the copyright office works with the police CID and they conduct their raids. So we come in to represent our client, to stand in for them, get the police to take actions against the perpetrators of the criminal uh, activity. And finally, we, we watch the brief as the police prosecute or the AGs prosecute the matter in court uh, until the final determination of the matter. So that is what we do in, in, our, in, our, in our firm where it, uh, the counterfeits and the piracy are concerned. Mm, I see. And a lot of that sounds quite familiar probably to a lot of our listeners. Similar system there, working with the agents to try to keep them out of your borders, outside the borders, but raids, you know, when they have entered. So thank you so much, Sarah. It's been really a pleasure and so enlightening talking to you today. Um, thanks for being here. <clears throat> and I wanted to um, also thank our listeners. Please like, follow, share with your friends, but also feel free to send comments and questions. And then I'd say... Goodbye and looking forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Women's IP World Annual Podcast. Hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IP in Chicago on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited.